the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Ukrainian city of Mariupol is under siege. Uh, the city doesn't exist anymore. Is this the end of Black Lives Matter? If Black Lives Matter, then the thousands of people I saw on the street should be on the street right now. President Biden resumes selling leases for oil and gas production on federal lands, but with big changes. The White House is scrambling for ways to bring that down before the midterm elections. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Monday, April 18th. I'm Mike Scott. In November of 2020, the Democrats were up to no good. They were planning to pull off the greatest scheme of election fraud never before seen. They didn't think anyone would catch them. But they did. Find out what they did and how they did it in the new documentary film called 2,000 Mules, directed and narrated by renowned filmmaker Dinesh D'Souza and executive produced by Salem Media Group. With research from TrueTheVote.org, 2,000 Mules tells the story of the ones who tried to hijack a presidential election. You'll see the actual video surveillance tapes. You'll see how they track their cell phones to box after box as they got paid to carry out this illegal scheme. Watch the movie? Decide for yourself. Attend a limited release premiere of 2,000 Mules on May 2 or May 4. Check your local listings and get your tickets today at 2000mules.com. That's the number 2000mules.com. Russia launched more attacks with missile strikes across Ukraine's capital of Kyiv. Moscow said its warplane struck a tank repair factory in the capital. The mayor of Kyiv said at least one person had died, according to a report from Reuters. Meantime, Ukrainian forces besieged in Mariupol have rejected Russia's demands to surrender and are still resisting. Ukrainian officials said on Sunday troops trapped in the city are holding out against the Russian onslaught. But they are confined to pockets of resistance and their numbers are unclear. Ukraine's foreign minister Dmitry Kaleba tells CBS's Face the Nation that the remaining Ukrainian military personnel and civilians in the port city are basically encircled by Russian forces. The situation in Mariupol is both dire militarily and heartbreaking. Uh, The city doesn't exist anymore. The remainings of the Ukrainian army and large group of civilians are basically uh, encircled by the Russian forces. They continue their struggle. But uh, it seems from the way Russian army behaves in Mariupol, they uh, decided to raise the city to the ground at any cost. Kuleba says that if Russia succeeds in destroying the city, it may destroy hope for any peace talks. 
Well, we uh, didn't really have any contacts uh, with uh, Russian diplomats in recent uh, weeks at the level of foreign ministries. The only level of contact is the negotiating team that consists of representatives of various institutions and uh, members of parliament. Uh, they can continue their consultations at the expert level, but no high-level talks uh, are taking place. After Bush, it, was, it became particularly difficult to continue talking uh, with the Russians. But as my uh, president uh, mentioned, Mariupol may be an, a red line. CNN correspondent Frederick Politkin reports on the situation inside Mariupol. It is still a city that is very much uh, besieged and where the people are living in very dire conditions. And, you know, we've seen uh, that drone footage of a lot of those apartment blocks, huge buildings that have been absolutely destroyed. Right now on our screens, we see video of some of the fighting that's apparently still going on there. From what we're hearing from the Ukrainian forces, their main two groups that are still in that city and trying to defend that city have now consolidated their forces. It was a Marine battalion from the Ukrainian military and then also another battalion called the Azov Battalion that are in a steel factory, gigantic steel factory that's there. They are apparently still holding out and have managed to link up. Palankin goes on to say that Russian forces have decimated the city. It's a dire situation there and, you know, one of the big issues is that 90% of that city has been destroyed or has been damaged of the buildings there, and at least 40% beyond any sort of repair. So Mariupol, even if the Russians manage to drive those Ukrainian forces out, the so-called prize that they have is nothing but a bunch of rubble. Representative Daryl Issa from California joined Fox News to discuss the latest from Ukraine and how China is playing a role in the conflict. For all practical purposes, half of Ukrainians are not in their homes, cannot be in their homes, and are somewhere else trying to survive. Uh, that's a disruption of an, of an economy and of a people that hasn't been seen since World War II. ISA says that the Russian people are starting to learn that Putin is losing the war in Ukraine. What's different, though, 50-some days into this is Putin is now actually the person on the ropes. He has shown himself to be a war criminal. He's shown himself to be willing to do very desperate things, and yet it's still not working. And what I'm finding with people who have relations in Russia is the word is getting out that Russia is losing this war. And that really, really is starting to resonate because up until now, he's been the leader that was returning Russia to its glory that's no longer the case, and it's getting out to the Russian people. ISIS says that Putin is no stranger to using chemical warfare. Well, on the chemical weapons, I think we have to remember that he has supported those in the past who use chemical weapons, and he has used phosphorus, this agent that will burn your skin even underwater. So there's no question he's at least put his toe into the water of using the kinds of weapons that uh, normally are banned from modern warfare. ISA tells Fox that the way Putin targets civilians is just as bad as using chemical weapons. But at the same time, his method of fighting, his targeting uh, train stations with just women and children in them and the like, uh, is just as bad as, as what we're afraid he might do. ISA went on to explain that the West should not fear Putin's threat of using nuclear weapons. We have fought the Cold War for nearly a century. In that time, we have always, for most of that time, 
Russia and China had nuclear weapons. And we didn't change the fact that we put a line in the sand and we held to it. So the idea that because a nuclear weapon exists, somehow he can have impunity to murder people has to be set aside. It was set aside during the Cold War. We need to set it aside. However, Russia, according to ISA, has proven it's not our number one global threat. That title belongs to another country. When, when asked to what, what extent an existential threat was during the Trump administration, uh, Jim Mattis made it very clear there was only one existential threat, and it was China. Finally, the California representative says that we should start focusing on China. We used to think they had the second best military in the world. We now know they have pretty much the second best military in the Ukraine. So uh, they're not as they're a little bit of a paper tiger in many ways. That's not true of China. China's depth and its economic capability and its ability to create high tech new items, including weapons, uh, represent the kind of a competitor that we're going to have to stay up with for the rest of yours and my life. Chinese state media reports it's begun sending its most advanced fighter aircraft to patrol the east and south China seas. The deployment is intended to, quote, better safeguard China's airspace, security, and maritime interests, end quote. China claims almost all of the vast South China Sea as its sovereign territory. It has been building up and militarizing facilities there for some time. Taiwan's government has complained of similar missions in recent years when Chinese jets have approached the island that the Chinese government claims is part of its territory. An uptick in homicides across the country represents a setback for the left in the ongoing war between the Democrat Party's centrist and progressive wings. Maurice Mitchell, a leader in the movement for the Black Lives Coalition and national director of the left-wing group Working Families Party, says there has been a backlash. Meanwhile, as midterm elections ramp up, Democrats are calling for more police funding and attempting to co-opt traditionally Republican talking points on crime. New York City Mayor Eric Adams, a former NYPD captain and Democrat, clearing out homeless camps in that city, drawing comparisons to former Republican Mayor Rudy Giuliani. Adams also recently called out the organization Black Lives Matter for remaining silent during the uptick in homicides. If Black Lives Matter, then the thousands of people I saw on the street when Floyd was murdered should be on the street right now stating that the lives of these black children that are dying every night matters. We can't be hypocrites. Democrats in New York State have also recently agreed on a deal to roll back bail reform after passing it just a few years ago. Lawrence Jones, a Fox News commentator and radio host, says that the black community was never really behind Black Lives Matter. The mayor's just saying what black people have been saying for a while now. Um, to his credit, he has been critical of Black Lives Matter before. But let's be very clear of who was funding Black Lives Matter, because it was not black people that was funding Black Lives Matter. It was white corporations and white people funding them because they didn't want to do the work in the community. 
Black people said we just want equal justice under the law. Jones went on to pull no punches when he discussed the future of Black Lives Matter. In return, people supported the organization when we really never really supported the organization. They promised $50 billion to the organization. Now you got Patrice Cullors going out there saying that the IRS is targeting them when we know they've gone after the Tea Party and every other group. I just think that there is a lesson to be learned about black women because I think the organization is officially dead right now. They took the theme of what black people were feeling and turned it into their own little money cash cow. Um, I think that this is the end for them. And I think it should be a lesson to people. Do the work. Don't think you can just cut a check and somehow things are just going to disappear. Jessica Tarlov, a Democrat Fox News contributor, echoed Jones's feelings and points out that Democrats refusing to tackle crime will hurt them in the midterms. Pew just released new numbers on the top priority issues for black Americans. Number one, violence and crime at 17 percent. Number two, economic issues at 11 percent. If you look at the numbers for white Americans, reverse. We all know that inflation and cost of living, et cetera, are the top priorities there. And the Democrats are sitting here thinking we're heading into a midterms where we could lose up to, you know, some people are projecting up to 60 seats. These are the kinds of issues that on the fence voters are looking for you to pay to pay attention to them about. And black voters, I'm not saying that they're going to go and suddenly support Republicans, only about 10 percent ideas Republicans, but it can make you stay home. According to the latest Quinnipiac poll, President Joe Biden has hit 33% approval, his lowest number so far. President Biden has a stretch of disappointing polls, but recent surveys suggest he's having particular trouble keeping the support of Hispanic voters. Hispanic Americans only give the president a 25% approval rating. Amna Nawaz, chief correspondent for the PBS NewsHour, explains what the latest slate of polling could mean for Democrats in the midterm. It's not great. You're talking about one of the key groups that not only helped Democrats win back control of Congress, um, you know, propelled Biden into the White House, um, but are also going to be in play in larger numbers than ever before in the upcoming midterms, right? And the economy is front and center. When we talk about the economy, let's be specific, we're talking about inflation, we're talking about cost of living. Nawaz goes on to say that inflation is going to be a key concern in the midterm elections. The White House will again point to things like unemployment being at record lows in 17 states, under 3% in 20 states, uh, wage growth uh, at the rate it's been, but also the fact that that wage growth is not keeping up with the cost of living, right? So this generation, yeah, they stepped out into the world and were immediately hit with two back-to-back financial crises, right? You have the global financial crisis, then you have this related financial crisis from the pandemic, and things are not getting better. Even if you just go back a year, expectations were so high, vaccines were coming out, things were going to get back to, you know, back to normal. Their wages have been suppressed, they are forced into unemployment or underemployment, and they are pessimistic about the future. NBC's Chuck Todd points to Nevada as a red flag for Democrats. I want to show these Nevada numbers here because two incumbents, Democratic incumbent uh, Steve Sisolak, Democratic incumbent Senator uh, Catherine Cortez Masto, both were behind, trailing their potential uh, Republican opponents. There's still some primaries, still a lot of work to do there. But Nevada, when you look at the Nevada electorate, this is pieces of the coalition you see fraying away from Biden, Hispanic voters starting to, to, to peel away a little bit, uh, working class, uh, non-college uh, educated whites. This is a problem and Nevada may be the most acute. 
The Biden administration said it will resume selling leases to drill for oil and gas on federal lands starting next week, but with a major reduction in the number of acres offered and an increase in the royalties companies must pay to drill. The Interior Department announced on Monday it will release a sale notice for leases to drill on 144,000 acres of government land, 80% less than what was initially being evaluated for potential leasing. President Biden, who on the campaign trail called for an end to drilling on federal land, has been looking for ways to temporarily increase U.S. energy production to help drive down the price of gas. Reporter Josh Lederman explains that while the White House tries to blame Vladimir Putin for the high energy costs, Americans are just not buying it. The White House is trying to shift the blame to Russia, calling it Putin's price hike. But a recent NBC News poll shows most people aren't buying it. More Americans blame Mr. Biden and his policies for rising costs than any other reason. Just 6% saying Russia's invasion of Ukraine is to blame. Lederman also says the political landscape is what is prompting the Biden administration to resume selling leases on federal land. The White House is scrambling for ways to bring that down before the midterm elections. The Biden administration allowing cheaper biofuel to be sold this summer, tapping the nation's strategic oil reserve to bring more fuel to market, and restarting plans to lease federal land to drill for oil and gas. That step, a signal that Mr. Biden is trying to increase the domestic energy supply. But climate advocates are furious, saying it violates a pledge Mr. Biden made as a candidate and undermines his climate change goals. Nicole Gallo, senior fossil fuels program manager for Friends of the Earth, is not happy with the trends from the Biden administration. There's no way for Biden to meet his campaign climate promises as well as his international commitments unless he actually addresses leasing on public lands. And the first step is stopping new leasing. The housing market takes center stage this week after a flurry of reports on the U.S. economy. Daybreak Insider's Rich Thomason has more on this story. Things kick off on Monday with a look at residential construction. The National Association of Home Builders will release its Home Builders Index. Then on Tuesday, reports on building permits and housing starts. Wednesday, we'll see an update on existing home sales, a look at March activity, along with the release of the Federal Reserve's Beige Book. The Conference Board's Index of Leading Economic Indicators comes out on Thursday. That's a key gauge that's used to forecast future economic activity. Rich Thomason reporting. A mysterious illness is impacting kids in several countries. Health officials are investigating many strange cases of severe liver disease in children. They think it may be related to a type of virus usually associated with colds. The U.K., U.S., Ireland, and Spain have all reported cases in which kids came down with hepatitis, an inflammation of the liver that, in some cases, can become life-threatening. Daybreak Insider's Mike Gracia 
has more on this medical mystery. A mysterious severe liver disease in children has the attention of health officials in several European countries and the United States. In the United Kingdom, at least 74 cases have been reported. The World Health Organization says the children came down with hepatitis or liver inflammation. In the U.S., nine similar cases are being investigated, all in Alabama. The ages of the children affected in Alabama ranged from one to six years old and two required liver transplants. Lab tests have ruled out the hepatitis type A, B, C, and E viruses that usually cause such illnesses. Officials say they're not aware of any link tied to international travel or other factors. I'm Mike Gracia. And finally, a classified satellite has been launched into space from California on board a SpaceX rocket. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. The pre-dawn liftoff took place Easter Sunday morning from Vandenberg Space Force Base, northwest of Los Angeles. The rocket carried with it a satellite for the National Reconnaissance Office. It was the first time that the two-stage SpaceX Falcon 9 rocket was used for the project. Now, while the burn's in progress, we'll also be having events on the second stage, but we may not be hearing those. And we won't be broadcasting second-stage camera views at the request of our customer. The NRO oversees American satellites that provide intelligence data to the federal government. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.